Welcome to the Leap to Lead podcast. I'm Emily Rogers and I am your host. I'm here to support you to take the leap and lead your life where you want to be. Are you ready to take that leap? Let's get in and hear today's episode. Okay, so welcome everyone uh, to a really special discussion and conversation with a good friend, Catchy. And Catchy and I met last year. We actually did a course together, which is a really unique way to meet. Um, But we connected because we both love supporting others. And Catchy has uh, Jash Connect, which is a global online community for Africans who are living abroad. And she does some amazing work with that community. And we connected because we're so passionate about supporting other women and other mothers, but parents um, as a whole. Catchy also has a business, um, J Paws, which is um, professional academic writing. And she's really thriving in her business as well. So she's a busy lady. Catchy, do you want to introduce yourself briefly? And then I'll I'll introduce why why we're connecting today. Okay, okay. Um, well, I'm Oikachi DK Jumbo. Um, you can just call me Kachi for short <laughs> because my name is long. Yes, so um, a lecturer um, and I am an AI semantic consultant as well. Have two boys, happily married. I run a community for Africans in the diaspora to support them and to ensure that Africans really succeed and thrive um, while abroad. I don't believe that your success is limited to your location. So that's why I do what I do. And then I have another um, outfit, more or less, a professional and academic writing service um, company organization. I mean, it's just something small that I've started where I help or support people with professional and academic writing. I don't do I'm writing of assignments because it's against my ethics and my principles as a person. Or I support people with professional writing, content creation, all those things, anything under that umbrella, anything that has to do with research as well. I also handhold PhD students and researchers and those looking to write better with clarity um, through their journeys. So yes, just a little about me. And when I'm not doing any of those I'm on my computer, doing some coding or just working, doing some work, yeah, on my own. So yeah. Pleasure to be here. Glad to be here with you again, Emily. And a busy mum with two boys and yeah. keeping up with energetic boys. <laughs> very, very, yeah. Well, thank you for being here, Katya. I really appreciate it. And I'm, I'm super excited or I'm passionate about our connection today and it's been deliberate and I want to share this with the expat parenting abroad community because Katya and I, we, we've been chatting a lot over the past year And then she went silent for a long time. And there was a reason for that. And it was actually a reason that we shared um, and Catchy had a miscarriage. And we, when she did finally come back online and and start communicating again, it was this sense of, I've been completely overwhelmed. I've been lost and I'm just finding myself again. And it invoked so many memories for myself and I reached out to Katya and asked if she'd be willing to share a little bit about her story because for some reason as women and as parents, a miscarriage is something we 
don't talk about and it's not necessarily taboo but it's something we're not comfortable sharing so we want to share the story today and hope that somehow we are supporting um, somebody who's going through the same thing so Katya do you want to share a little bit about how you felt and your your experience um like I said from the beginning sorry if I get teary I mean it's it's always an open wound more or less it's not it's not something that you find you heal immediately you know and that's what happens with loss or with pain it gets better but there'll always be a day where the wound feels like it's really really fresh so we had two boys and then we found that we were expecting you know and there was the excitement of expecting actually when you find out you're pregnant even if you have 15 children I believe there'll always be the element of joy you know happiness and always the aspect where the child already like you you're, you've already included this child in your home the child is not there yet but you can actually see the child you can see the court you you envision so much you know about that child coming in how you carry the baby and because we have two boys I was like oh god what, what if this is a girl and you know that excitement and expectancy Usually I don't have like the easiest of pregnancies from nausea to tiredness to all manner of things. And that's how all my pregnancies have been. And one of the days I went for my checkup, like 13 weeks pregnant, you know, (laughs) I was excited because that was like my first scan. I'd been doing all my blood tests, you know, feeling all the symptoms and, you know, you know, when you have those symptoms, whether you're, you're having nausea or whatever it is that comes with your pregnancy, it's almost like a consolation that that baby is there. And I was still feeling all of those. So I had this appointment on a Wednesday, 2.30 p.m. I dragged myself, you know, my husband dropped me off at the hospital. And I was like, oh, let him just quickly park or something and then meet me upstairs. But then I got called in. And as I got in there, the sonographer was like, I can't see any heartbeat. Mm. And I was like, okay, how do you go from waking up one morning, you know, excited that, okay, I'll actually find out like what's happening and all of that. And then you're not told no heartbeat, I can't see anything. So like, okay, so what, like, what, 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 what does that mean? Mm. I mean, this is not my first loss, but this one was very raw for me, you know, the first one was like very early days. And so even though it was lost, it didn't feel yes. it didn't feel like this one that was already advanced and, you know. Mm. And I was like, so what does that mean? And she was like, I'm sorry, it looks like the pregnancy has stopped. And I was like, what do you mean that the pregnancy has stopped? Anyway, she was like, do you want to do an internal scan? Blah, 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 blah. And I was like, okay, yeah, I'll do, I'll do an internal scan, which she did. And she was like, it looked like the pregnancy stopped about eight weeks plus. And I was shocked. I felt deceived. Mm. Like I felt my body had tricked me. And I just like, I was like, what's wrong with this body? How is it that when you have a headache, you know you're having a headache? Mm. When your tummy is upsetting, you know you have a tummy upset. And then this one, 
like it gave me no signs actually it made me feel like it led me on. I felt like my pregnancy led me on and none of the symptoms stopped. I had all the cravings. I actually felt like I felt I, I should be in Africa eating all the food. <laughs> because, you know, I, was, I used to just imagine all the African food. And that was what I was always craving. Uh-huh. You know, I was still getting all the nausea. Every single thing was still there. But, you know, so, so I was like, okay, I didn't know, I didn't know whether to cry. I, I didn't have the words I didn't have the words and so the first thing I did was ring my sister who is a medical doctor and I said see what they said and she was like okay just I'm like I'm actually calm but I'm a bit confused mm. and what really hurt me from that point and anybody you know one of the things I always say because this is beyond just having a baby mm. is also knowing what to stand for or what you stand for and what you're entitled to. Mm. One of the things that really shocked me was when I said, you know, I had my I had my urine sample mm. and I said to the sonographer, what do I do with this urine sample? Now are you going to test it or mm. and she was like, chuck it in the bin. Yeah. And that was when I felt like, you know, I, I was just like, I've come in here you know, coming here with my tummy, like my, it felt like my tummy was still out, you know, my tummy comes out really quickly. And then you just tell me, chuck it in the bin. I didn't come in here knowing that I was, you know, my pregnancy had stopped or anything had happened. I came in here thinking that I was coming for a normal scan and then you say, chuck it in the bin. So I was taken aback. I, I, I was like, okay, so what do I do? So I walked out, you know, and then I walked back in. I said, can I see the manager on duty or something? This is not right. Mm. So look at me because of COVID, you know, the restrictions are so many. You Mm. can hardly even come with anybody. So I was coming in there alone Mm. because my husband like wasn't there. And I came in there with no form of support, nothing. And then you just say, chuck it in the bin. What happened to some kindness say okay just keep it here we'll look at it and i you know when i leave you can now chuck it in the bin yeah. on my behalf yeah. you know you just, you just like say and she made a comment she was like and um, the pregnancy is gone you know like there was no form of empathy or you know th- there was nothing that there was nothing that showed there was any form of humanness in her yes. yeah. you know and so I was like, okay, can I speak to a manager and all of that? I got the number and I said, I'm not speaking because of myself. Imagine a thousand and one other women who are going to come in here and mm. find out they've lost their pregnancies. Mm. And imagine how many people who may have waited for years to have a child mm. or who may have had, you know, taking like taking in through IVF, for instance. Yeah. Or, you know, people will come in with different circumstances and they'll find out that their pregnancies have stopped along the way. Yeah. They need that help. A blase comment like that. Yeah. Yeah. So you don't make those kind of comments. And that's why I went back to, you know, to speak to someone to say, for future purposes, other people will have this experience. I'm not going to be the first, neither will I be the last. But we must make sure that things are, you know, people are treated with care. Yes. Some people will just break down like completely there. I didn't do that. Like I held it all in until I got into the car. And when I got into the car, it was like I was going to, I, I let out like a, a loud, mm. <laughs> like a groan. 
you know. And yeah, we just drove back home quietly. And my husband was like, oh, what? Like, how? What's that? Blah, blah, blah. They gave me three options. (laughs) You don't have any answers. Yeah. I didn't have any answers. So they said, oh, the, the pregnancy unit will be in touch and all of that. And I got back home that day and nobody was in touch. Mm. the second like nearly 24 hours later that was when I got the first phone call and when I got that call the lady was like oh we're sorry about what happened and we just want to book you in for another appointment to check out things again and I said okay um can I get an appointment for Saturday she's like I'll check and then she comes back, oh no, no appointment for Sunday. You know, it was just like, it was so shabbily done. And I was just mm. thinking of other women who will be in my, my shoes, mm. you know, and, you know, there was no, that disconnect was there. And at a point I had to speak to them on the phone. I said, no, you don't do this. Mm. Mm. You don't do this. Like we're talking about loss here. It doesn't have to be a viable baby or pregnancy. Mm. We're talking about loss. And that's the thing with loss. Yeah even if it is a one-day-old pregnancy or a 10-day-old or a nine-month-old, loss is loss. And, Mm. you know, people should not trivialize that, Mm. you know. So I went back for the another scan like three days later and were like, it's still the same thing. There was a part of me that hoped, you know, that held on to, you're just hoping that, oh, I'll go in and Mm. they would say, you know, it's still good, like, oh, no, like, somehow we, f- we can find, like, you made a mistake, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I went in that day, and they said the same thing, so they said, you have three options, do an evacuation, mm. um, you know, come in for, for some tablets, or allow things, carry its natural, you know, take its natural um, cost, mm. and I was like, do you know what, We'll go home and we'll wait. Mm. There was a part of me that, that hoped beyond hope <laughs> and was waiting that somehow things will turn around. And every single day, every single day from that Sunday, I went to the hospital. I, I prayed for my symptoms to not stop, mm. you know, and it sounds really crazy because when you're having the nausea and you know you don't even want to wake up in the morning, I'm like, nausea, please come. Yes, yes. <laughs> and now you don't want it to stop. <laughs> don't, don't, don't just go. Like yeah. every single day, I did the same thing over and over again. I was like, and each time I felt like nauseous because it didn't stop. Yeah. Each time I felt the sickness, yeah. I was like, this baby is still growing. This pregnancy is still growing. You know, I was just that was like that was what like my disposition to it and then some days i'll go and ask my husband i'm like do you think the you know do you think the pregnancy is still what do you think is like can you just you know i, I was paranoid at some yes. point because yeah. every day i'll look at myself in the mirror and i'll look yeah, at my tummy and I'm like, it looks like something is kicking in my tummy. Mm-hmm. And I know it's like it's it sounds crazy, you know. I had I was always on Google, you know, I'm like do women have miscarriages at a certain age and then the baby comes back to life or the pregnancy? I was always checking for those things. Yeah. The first week passed and nothing happened. Mm. You know, I didn't bleed or there was nothing. Like everything was still like normal. 
Yeah. The second week passed and nothing happened. He was still continuing, like everything. And so, I, you know, there was a part of me that started consoling myself. Actually, this pregnancy is still going on. Mm. And I held on to that or like held on to it. I didn't tell people, you know, but every time I went to bed, I was afraid to wake up the next morning, you know, because I wasn't sure what, what was going to happen, what the next day would hold. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when I came to the end of that day, or I came to like the end of a day, I'm like, okay, we've gone through this day. Nothing has happened. So, you know, tomorrow is another day. So each day I look forward to something, but something that never, like never was going to exist. It was never going to exist. So um, I had a very good midwife and she called me every other day. And when she'll call, she say, has anything started? Are you like, are you noticing any changes? And I'm like, you know what? I actually feel like, you know, I'm, I, I'm feeling baby flutters in my tummy. And she's like, are you serious? I'm like, yes. I don't know if it was my imagination or if it was, you know, I just felt like things were going on inside of me, yeah. you know. And after two weeks plus, I called her. She called me one day and I was like, see, well, it's almost three weeks. Nothing has happened. She was like, ring the hospital. You need to ring them now. So I rang them and I'm like, it was on a Friday. I said, see, it's actually going to be three weeks on Wednesday since I came in and nothing has happened. I can't see any changes. You know, nothing has happened. I still feel pregnant. And they were like, do you know what? We need to book you in um, so that we do another scan. And I look forward to that scan with all my life, mm-hmm. hoping that, you know, I'll go in and they'll say, actually we made a mistake yeah you know and I wonder how many women like me who have had that kind of thing but I that was on a Friday after I spoke to them and you know Saturday I went back by my business I found myself very energetic on Sunday very happy I did a lot of funny videos with my children you know <laughs> I was so excited I, I was so happy on the Sunday and on Monday evening, I was speaking to my mom and all of a sudden, you know, I started bleeding uh, and I didn't want to, like, I didn't want to believe it. Mm. A part of it was like in denial. Yeah. And I was like, no, like, could it be? Oh, you know, I was just, I was asking questions. But what I found was hardly do people share these stories. Yes. And it also came, came across to me, you know, it came one thing that really stood out for me is having people who understand you and who understand your unspoken thoughts yes that's so important yes because when you're going through a difficult season you may never have the words to speak you may not even know how to piece the words together Mm. and I had like my three very close friends and each time they would send a message four of them actually and even if I didn't respond, mm. they'll say, I know you can see this message. And it's okay if you don't want to speak. Yeah. You know, each yeah. time. And they'll send me voice notes. And I became afraid of my phone. That's mm. when I, one thing I found out. And I used to get messages like, I've been calling you 15 times. I've called you 17 times. I've called. And you're not picking your phone. And I was just like, I don't even... I, I don't even understand myself at the moment. Yeah. And so yeah. looking at my phone is something... I don't even feel like doing. So my phone could be in front of me ringing and I don't feel like picking it. Yes. I won't even look at it. I'll just see like the light blinking. Yes. 
And I will feel like, you know, and for me, it was a lesson as well for people going through difficult seasons. Mm. Life is seasonal. It, if you yeah. look at why don't we have um, winter all through the year? Yeah. You know, we move from winter to spring, you know, and summer and all the seasons change. And it's important that you have friends or you have people who understand you and the different seasons. And, you know, it goes in both ways. That I also understand the seasons that my friends are, are in as well. And when people go quiet, it's because there is something going on and giving yeah. them the space sometimes yeah. to process yeah. that. Yeah. And another thing I found out that, you know, calling somebody a thousand and one times doesn't necessarily mean you care mm. because at that time the, you know, it was raw. It was, yeah. it was, I don't know. Anyway, I, I stopped somewhere like, you know, I bled and I had to be rushed to hospital. Oh, catchy. It was, it was so bad. Like it was almost like, oh, um, you know, you're not going to make it mm. that kind of thing. Goodness. You know, it was really bad. It was almost like you're not going to make it. You know, when we got to the hospital, I mean, when the ambulance came here, they were like, oh, I had lost so much blood. Like I had, I passed out mm. and they started trying to, you know, put in all manner of things. And, you know, my veins had collapsed. They couldn't even pass the needle through nothing. And then they started ringing the hospital saying like, we have a major emergency. As soon as they got in, like, I just started saying like, I was blank, but I was seeing, I don't know how to explain. It was like an out-of-body experience for me. Mm. And we got to the hospital and they were not letting people come in, you know, even if they were not letting people come in unless they do the COVID test. They let my husband come in because they were not sure where, like how things were going to turn out. It was that bad. And all I could hear, like the consultant saying is that we don't have time. We need to save your life, blah, blah, blah. It was that bad. And, you know, anyway, I was in hospital for some time, got out of hospital alive. One of the things that struck me through it all, you know, even in, it's not like I've come out of the whole thing. Yes. One of the things that really struck me was the lost. For some people, it's like, how do I put, I'm trying to find the right words. But when you lose one thing and you still have five other things to hold on to, mm. be thankful for the other five. Yeah. You know, sometimes we hold on to one so much and there's nothing wrong with that that we forget the blessings that the other five yes. come with. Yes. And so I, I, I started saying to myself, do you know what? I've lost one, you know, I've lost this pregnancy. Yes. But God is the reason I haven't lost everything because yeah. it could have been worse, you know, if I lost my life in the process, Absolutely. it would have been worse, yeah. you know. And I had to start finding a reason to be thankful, even in that season. Like, mm. I'm not completely out of it yet, because this is something that is really, really fresh. It just yes. happened. Yes. You know, I'm still just, like, dealing with my emotions. Some days, I'm very happy. Yes. Some other days, I'm in a place of... I'm just in a place of... <sighs> what has happened to me? Mm. And each time I hear my first son, who is sick, saying, we're going to have a baby by by November mm. <laughs> you know baby by November and I keep on trying to explain to him 
no no baby is coming again you know yeah. baby has gone but he doesn't understand he just keeps saying anybody that I, like you know he's speaking oh, to he's like you know what i'm having a sister in november <laughs> and he had given her a name and all of this thing. i laugh about it but i'm thankful that you know in the whole process i mm. didn't lose my life i still have children to look back to yeah. you know went to camp or at least i have a one-year-old i can still like baby around and all of that yeah but it, it's a tough experience i felt like my body body really cheated me i'm interested to know catchy yeah obviously your experience in terms of how they handle it initially and some of that follow-up you were pretty disappointed how much of that do you think is you know being abroad being away from your normal support in a different culture how much mm. do you think that's impacted this whole experience gave me a completely different perspective and if for any reason i really missed home mm. you know each time i've had anything major in my life you know whether it's having a baby or going in for a surgery or just <laughs> needing some time, you know, to rest. I've had my parents over. Like I've always had my parents over. Yeah. I've had my parents um, since I moved into the UK in 2011. I've had my parents every year, mm. you know, sometimes twice in the year, sometimes three times. You know, I get to see them really often. But for the first time, they were not here. And it really, like, I felt a lot of emptiness. I mean, my sister had to come. My sister lives about six hours away from me, but she was here. But the support was missing, mm. and it drove me back to my why. Why did I start this community? Yeah. Are there people in my community that, or people who may join in the future that may have this experience? Mm. There may be. And what would I do in the face of those situations? Yeah. It drove me back to my why. Yeah. And there was a lack of support. I mean, I live in a predominantly white community and nobody knew what was happening. You know, nobody knew what was happening. You know, it made me miss Nigeria so much because I thought, I knew that if I was home and I had this type of thing, mm. people rally around you mm. you know there'll be food there'll be care mm. and one thing I always say which I always try to do is when women give birth here because mm. I know how we were raised our culture you know how our culture is so like so communal yeah when a woman gives birth everybody rallies around her and make sure she has food and all those things but there was nothing like that mm. You know, and it, it took me back to my why. Why did I start this community? Yeah. Yeah. The young people succeeding, you know, one of the things is also thriving. And then the essence of community, like, re-echoed for me. Mm. You know, community, the support. That when people have this kind of difficulties, they are sure that they can fall back, yes. you know, to their community. People who understand them and understand how we were raised in Africa. Mm. So I missed that support. I was thankful for my, you know, midwife who was calling and all of that. But after some time, obviously nothing's going on and, you know, all of that phased. But the thing is that 
when you have a loss, it doesn't just stop. You know, you don't feel the sadness momentarily. It's sadness that goes on for some time. Mm. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't just go away. It's sadness that stays, you know, or it comes, it comes in bouts. You yeah, know, today it hits you when you least expect it as well. Yeah. yeah. Just yeah. find yourself, you know, feeling that way. So, well, I don't know. I, 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 I realize that there's really the need for the community. And when people are not able to explain, like, this is how I'm feeling, mm. Um, they know you know you've had the health care and they're taking care of you, but then life really continues when you get back home. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's when people really need to rally around you. You know, when you have the baby in hospital, you know, you've had the baby, they've given you the support to have that child. Mm. But then the real deal starts when you get home. Yeah. And that's when the support is most needed. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's not just by calling or you know, I don't know how to explain it, but that's when the support is needed, whether in form of food, people food. need food. A big deal. Because yeah. when a woman, think about someone, so I'll, I'll put it this way. If someone, I've had cases in my community where people have lost their parents mm. and we've you know supported them through that period, you know, make sure that there's food. Yeah. Because when you're going through a difficult time, you may not be, you have little children you want you have to take yeah. care of yeah. and cooking is the last thing yeah on your mind on the list of things to do because you just want to lie in and zone out yeah. having children around you is even the last thing that you want to do i felt like i wanted to always hug my children at that point yeah but there was also a part of me that didn't want to have anything to do with them i was just like no i'm not being mommy today i'm not i don't want to be mommy yeah. you know um so food is a, a thing, a big thing. And then I also looked at it that many times too, we think about the women without even thinking about the spouses. Yeah, yeah. They carry so much that you know, they're trying to be strong for you. They're trying to be there for you and the children that they are lost in the whole maze as well. And so when someone has that food in the house, you know, he's not thinking about that. All he's going to think about is getting, maybe getting, children ready for bed yeah. and warming some food for them to eat you know he's not going to think about cooking or all you know, that yeah. one thing. Yeah. so we enforce one of the things for me that when people have babies when people go through tough times yes food is essential yeah yeah is one thing and often and often you know you talk about the partner often they don't get time off work either so you're dealing no. with you know them working full time and trying to support you and trying yeah it's hard yes. that's that's i mean this whole food thing it sounds very funny but i grew up in a in a very small church in nigeria and the light that church shone in those days mm. is what has carried me until now yeah and i would explain it the church was really small. It's still really small, you know, not it's not like one of the largest churches or anything. But one of the things that was was, you know, that stood as a pillar was the care, yeah, the community. And each time a woman gave birth in church, a, a lady gave birth, you know, there'll be women who go to help her bath the baby, mm. change the baby, you know give her time to just be her and there'll be women who cook food they take it in turns mm. but that's just a part of it 
we had people who were like indigent members of the community who couldn't afford things and the church catered for them, ensured that they could afford at least a meal a day. And that has been one of my guiding principles till now. Yeah. And it has carried me through the years. And when I started reevaluating, looking at my community and I'm like, I was going through this hard time, but nobody in my community knew. Mm. Nobody knew. And for me, that was not the essence. That's not the reason. Mm. I wanted, I, want, I wanted a community so closely knit that, you know, one person's problem, it's yeah. not like it's something that is broadcast, yeah. but it's, you know, we carry the person because it's bad enough that you're living away from home. Mm. It's bad enough that you don't even have family, mm. you know, or your friends. Thank God for like social media and mm. um, Zoom and WhatsApp calls and um, what do they call it? FaceTime. Yeah. You, know, you can do all of those things. But, you know, the essence of having the people is not there, yeah. you know. And so that, that reinforced why. Why do you started... think we don't talk about it? I mean, you, did, you, you didn't share it with your community. What do you think is the, is the barrier? It's not necessarily taboo. It's not that there's stigma. They can't, I don't think it's shame. I, I don't understand why we don't talk about it. I, I didn't share. I, I mean, it was, first of all, I knew I shared with my really close friends. I mean, mm. a community doesn't mean that the people in there are close friends. No, exactly. So I shared it with my really close friends and just a few people who were like, well, I haven't seen you online for a while. I'm like, I've been in hospital or something like that. I didn't share with them. And I know that even if people have these experiences, mm. they will not come out and share with the community, mm. but they will come and maybe share with me, for instance, if I say, I haven't seen you for a while, what's the matter, is everything going on well? But being a community leader or founding this community, mm. there was almost nobody for me to go to. Mm. Mm. You know, there was nobody to say, this is what I'm going through. Mm. Until like the later parts when people didn't really see me online or engaged yeah. in the community. And then they said, oh, like what's happening and all of that. Mm. But do you see what I mean? So it yeah. also shows yeah. that it showed me something that leaders also need support. Yes. Yeah. You need support. Many times you think that leaders, a lot of people confuse it as well, thinking that leaders have everything figured out. No. <laughs> yes. You've, you don't have things figured out. You absolutely like you don't. You know, you're, you're waking up and you're saying, what do I think is the best? But it showed me that leaders need support. Mm. And you must build that support system, you know, you must have that in place yes. if you want to get that kind of support. In terms of sharing, many times people feel like the wound is raw, mm. open. It's not something, it brings a lot of pain. Each time I think about it, I have a lump in my throat, mm. you know. So some people are not that bold mm. Mm. about it. But I think that we do ourselves a disservice. We do, yeah when we don't share these things because if for instance somebody is going through a you know a miscarriage for instance or a pregnancy loss you know you can come to me and say what were your experiences yes. how did you feel yeah but when we don't say those things you're not really sure I'm like sometimes I was asking myself are these feelings normal Mm. You know, and I feel I felt bad for my husband at some point because I was like, I'm asking him all the questions, and the poor man may not even know <laughs> the answer to these questions. Yeah. Do you see? 
So it's also like it's really important. Sorry, I'm just going to turn on this light. I remember when I got to Delhi because my miscarriage was very early on, um, and about nine, eight, nine weeks, something like that. But when I got to Delhi and I met my good friends, and we all had our first child, we're, we're, our first children were all similar age, and then we were all having second children within sort of a few months of each other. But it wasn't until you know, a year or two of knowing each other that we actually realised we'd all miscarried our first and probably around the same time. And then when you start talking about it, you're able to share the stories as well. But it, it, it does take getting to know someone to be able to share it. And it, it's, as you said, it's a shame because it, you could be someone for the others to reach out to to say, well, how did you cope? How did you deal with it? What, what, would, what, would, what could I do next? How can I move forward? being able to ask someone those questions uh, another thing i find i find you know being of african descent we have a lot of we have some set ways of you know the, the way things are done i remember like one of the days i had put on on my instagram page and i was like do you know what I'm craving a lot. Someone sends me like some Nigerian bean pudding and I was so thankful. So I thanked on my page and I was like, I'm craving a lot of African food. And, you know, we're expecting, we, uh, um, we have another born in the oven. And so, you know, I need African food. In my, I shared it. That was the way yeah. I put it. Not like I came out and did like a pregnancy shoot yeah. or anything. But we have a lot of, of things, you know, as Africans that you're wondering, like, don't share about your pregnancy or don't share your pregnancy or pregnancy journey until you have that child. Mm. A lot of, you know, those cultural things that something bad can happen. Mm. And this is also another lesson. Um, I, I felt bad, you know, I was like, how do I go from someone who some weeks back was saying I'm expecting mm. a baby and all of that or you know we're expecting mm. how do I go from that point to the point of you're no longer pregnant and I actually had like someone call me and say you see you shared this and now you're no longer pregnant mm. and that's why you know you shouldn't share before that but that's the wrongest time yeah. to ever tell someone who is grieving yeah a pregnancy loss that you you know it was I was just like this doesn't just sound right no it's unfair people wait till you know <laughs> they're eight months but or nine months but there's still no guarantee that you go into to have a baby into the hospital to have a baby and you'll come up with the live child mm, mm. people have gone in and lost their babies in in the in delivery yeah yeah and people have gone past the first trimester and lost the pregnancies in the second trimester people have gone through the second and lost in the third trimester mm. but I, I my consolation when she said that was I'm not going to live my life in fear mm. because why do we talk about pregnancies losing pregnancies and not sharing about your pregnancy journey um, but yet you can post a picture of your child when the child is born mm. Mm. you know it, it, you know there's yeah. And so I'm asking myself, if, let me say, if we're, we're, we're dealing with witches and wizards and all manner of things, mm. are those witches and wizards also not powerful when the children are born? Mm. Do you see? I was like, I'm not going to live my life in fear. 
Either am I going to live my life in guilt that, oh, I had talked about this pregnancy and then now is no more. So I'm not going to, I'm not going to let people project their fears on me, which yeah. is what a lot of people do. Yes. They project their fears on you and you're like, oh, you shouldn't have shared it. So if you hadn't shared it, this kind of, if this thing happened, yeah. it doesn't change the fact that whether you share it or you don't share it, if you lose the child or you it's lose the loss. pregnancy, yeah. it's a loss, yeah. you know. And if, if witches and wizards are that powerful when you're pregnant, what makes them less powerful when the children are born? Yeah. You know, so I'm just like, there's no need to live in that kind of fear or in that kind of bondage. You know, obviously you can keep some things. I don't know if, for instance, if, if we ever have another baby or have an, another pregnancy, if I will share, because I shared my first, I shared yeah. my second, you know. I don't know if we'll ever share that. If I would ever share, I don't know. I, I, I'm not in that position to say that now. Yeah. You know, these are some of the fears people project on you. Some of the statements I heard, why did you share? You see why I said, you see why I don't like to share? You know, those, those are not comments, you know. So when you're listening to this, if for instance, you're an African or wherever it is that any, you are from. Any, yeah, any culture, yeah. Any culture. And if you're ever in the position to comfort someone going through loss, those are not comments to make. Mm. Not comments to make. They're not they're, they're not kind. They're, you know, there's time for everything, you know. And so when when a wound, think about it, when you have an open wound, and then in the process of trying to make it heal, mm. you continue to open, like cut it open again. Mm. What, what are you doing so you know it's, it's very it's very important that we think about the weight of our words yes how the other person accepts them in hard seasons mm. and you know there's a part of the bible because i'm christian that always says you know let your words be laced with grace yes, yes. you know lace them with grace and if you don't have if you're not sure your words will come out right then don't say anything Another thing I also, you know, I took from this season of my life was if I'm going to be there for somebody in a hard time, I'm going to be completely there. And I'll explain what I mean. So if you call me to say, how are you doing? Make sure you're really saying, how are you doing? Let the five minutes you spend with me on the phone mm. count. Mm. Not like you're saying, how are you doing? And then I'm not doing problems. <laughs> a thousand and one things in the background yeah. you know i'm you're yeah. doing this let that time you dedicate to speaking to that person yeah with that person's time even if the person is not saying anything mm. another thing i took from this season was someone going through a difficult time doesn't have to have the words no. to say and my mom understood it so well that so many times she would just call and say like she'll call, I speak with my parents every day and she'll just call and say, how are you doing? I'm like, I'm fine. And she'll just be on the phone, you know. And I felt her love even in the silence, you know, and my sisters understood it as well, you know. I felt them in the silence. Nobody asking me any questions. Nobody asking me, you know, oh, like if they say, how are you? I'm like, this is how I'm feeling today. Yeah. And if they don't ask me, I'm just like, I'm just quiet. So don't take someone's silence in a tough season. You know, you don't have to say anything. Mm. Just be there. Let the person just feel your breath over the phone. You know, and that's very reassuring. 
don't play the guilt, you know, guilt games, make the person feel bad. I've been calling you, you're not picking. Mm. Don't do it. Mm. You know, because for me, even when I've had kids and people call me to say like congratulations and all of that, I'm not in that space mm. to receive it. Mm. You know, I'm happy to have the child, but I'm just usually very quiet and like almost like someone who recoils like into her shell. I'm just really quiet and all of that. And the truth is, nobody can tell, you know, nobody has the right to tell another person how to grieve, how to heal. Everyone's journey is unique and different. Everyone's journey is unique. And so I got comments like, oh, I see you're posting now on Instagram. So that means you're okay. Yeah. And that's wrong. See, people's outlets are different Mm. and so one of my outlets can be creating a lot of you know I just go and design posts and and you know like put them set up like my shedler and you know the posts are dripping because my posts are not posted in real time (laughs) so that's the thing people mistake yes you know they Mm. make that mistake thinking that once you've put a post on Instagram it means that you're online Mm. It could actually just be my shed, like, you know, I've just shadowed it and it's dripping at the time. Mm. So never tell anybody how to grieve or think that you know when someone's healing should be complete. Mm. Mm. It's, it's something that is wrong. You know, don't think that after two months, this person should be okay. After three months, this person should be okay. You know, people should, you know, should not do that. Yeah. And I found a lot, I found those kind of things. Somebody like somebody sending messages, oh, I've been calling you, you're not picking. Um, that's not fair, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, I'm so sorry. You but know, you, yeah. And but then you find yourself apologizing for yeah. your and, grief, and that's wrong in itself. Yeah, you know, so that's one. Don't tell people when to heal and think that okay, because after all, baby was just how many months pregnancy. Yes. So this is the time now you should be whole. Yeah. That's wrong. Nobody. Loss is loss, you know. From the first day you find out that you're pregnant, that pet, that child is already part of your, yeah. your home. And there's a path like in your heart that you already hold that child. Yeah. Like I could already envision my house, you know, where the courts, you know, the all those things. Yeah. Yeah. You've already had that mental picture. Had already like started looking through um, some of the things I had used before so like baby sheets and all of that I was like gosh it's going to be a girl and all of these things you know so don't tell people how to grieve just be there let your you know your unspoken thoughts may actually do more yes. than your spoken words you know so breathe over the phone and that could be okay and let the person you know sometimes let the person who is grieving be the one to say can I go now or something you know yes uh, you don't necessarily have to keep them there you don't ha- and you don't have to say anything you're under no compulsion to say anything another thing is just be kind be yeah. kind yeah because you know it, it, it's it's one thing to say I, I just called oh to say sorry blah 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 but then you can ask yourself can I do something different mm. yeah so yeah that, what do you that's think Having gone through this experience now, Catchy, what do you think you'll do differently with Jash Connect? Is there anything you think you'll do differently with Jash Connect? Hmm, that's a very interesting question. So, like I said before, 
I've had people who have given birth and I made sure that they had food. Mm. You know, because for me, that's an essential, especially African food. You mm. know, they want to have that. I've had people who have lost, you know, parents. Mm. And, you know, we, I made sure that they were supported that period. One of the things I really want to do is make sure that we keep the communication channel open. Mm. Um, the thing is, it, it's, it's not the easiest of things building a community. No, no. Not even the easiest of things <laughs> building a community abroad because people have work. Yes. People are juggling children. People are juggling, juggling like, you know, they're juggling a lot of things. Um, at the same time so for me it's the communication channel which you know we're trying to we're going to try and do mm. this last week the, there was a lady in my community who who like had a session with us last year mm. and she was talking about her journey with IVF mm. you know and the challenges she had and all of those things these are things that are not necessary because of our culture. They're not necessarily spoken about yes. and being abroad doesn't necessarily take them away, no. you know, take that part of our culture yes. away from us. And so I put up that, that, um, that um, video, the replay in the ladies group. Mm. And let's see, you know, you may be going through this time and you don't have to come to me because I have never walked the IVF journey. Mm. Or you can come to this lady or go to this lady and you know if you're having those issues you can speak with her however one of these days i'll share my journey with losses like i said this is not my first loss um you know because people need to know that like people mm. need to normalize these things mm. and know that there's nothing wrong with you because I, I i started questioning myself at some point and i said you know, when I, when I was waiting, you know, when they said, you have three options, you come in for a surgery, you have some tablets, or you go and just wait the yes. course. And I, when, many times I'll pray and I'll say, God is my, like, is my womb, my womb is not a burial ground. No. With those type of things, I, I had those kind of conversations mm -hmm. with God. And mm -hmm. I was just like, my womb is not one to eat up babies you know <laughs> you know I was just trying to remind God of his promises and all of those things and one of the things that came to me was like you must not be ungrateful for any season that you are in you know each season like there's a reason that we yeah. we get winter because now it's summer here and I'm saying I'm hot <laughs> and when winter comes they say I'm cold Yes. but there's beauty in each of the seasons yes. and each time summer comes i'm constantly mourning with my husband saying gosh the grass grows so quickly mm. do you understand yes. meanwhile during during um, winter the grass doesn't grow but you know we're complaining yes. so there's something to be thankful for in yes. each season mm. you know um so i've lost my line of thought but <laughs> yes um I think that that encouraging the openness, because for me, the essence of building or starting my community was to bring people together who share yes. similar idea. You know, we already have like a very similar value system yes. coming from Africa. And so it's easier to come together and discuss things that are common to us. Yes. And so that's not something I want to lose in my community. Um, I'm 
I'm, I'm someone who really like, I like people and, you know, building my community didn't just start today. It's something that I, I was taking a shower the other day and I started thinking, when did I like, how did I grow up to be like this? Yeah. And I remember that when I was in nursery school, one of my mom's colleagues was in my, you know, she had her daughter who was in a class lower than I was. And I'll say, oh, my baby, my baby. And I will carry her back home with me, yeah. you know. And I liked to have people around. And that hasn't changed. I really like company, mm. you know. And living abroad can be lonely. Even just doing life can be lonely. Yes. And that's not what I want people to do because we're, we're actually social beings. God mm. did not design that we, we do life alone. And that's one of the things I always say, you're not meant to do life abroad alone you know whatever season of your life so yeah that's beautiful channel is one of the things for me catchy i love the way you describe your seasons and i love the way you talk about respecting people's seasons and i think if there's one thing we can take away from this conversation today is if you're going through a tough time then keep it in perspective of a season and keep it in perspective of this will pass but seasons vary in length sometimes as well and you can get there rely on those that you can rely on and share your story when you're ready but it is a season and there are there are reasons to be grateful for every season absolutely yeah 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 Yeah. i mean there'll be tough days that's the truth there'll be tough days I'm not telling anybody that the tough days will go. And I'm not saying that everyone even has to be vocal about it. But I found that sometimes I, I feel like, you know, talking about it, we didn't have like, a, we just had like a brief discussion about this, but we didn't go into like details and all of that. And I was just like, you know, what, what am I going to say? But I was just like, I'm just going to let like go with the flow and all of that. But not everybody has to be vocal about what, you know, their seasons, but it's always good to, Find people you can lean on yes. you know, in those seasons. Yeah. Um, find people. I, you know, another thing I also want to say is we Africans say things like, oh, just be praying and all of those things. Mm-hmm. Prayer is good. And you know, in even in difficult seasons, it doesn't change that you know God exists, but yeah. prayer may not be what you want to do at that time. Yeah. So you may not even if you're, you you may not necessarily say pray to the person mm. you pray for the person yeah you know so notice things you want the person to do and the person may not be able to do put like do them on the person's behalf yeah yeah so this is me i've come here I like love it. i love that i love that you're able to share like this catchy i think it's really important and i appreciate it and i'm sure everyone who hears your story is going to appreciate it and what I will do is put your um, details for Jash Connect and Jay Paws in the notes as well so if someone wants to connect with you that they can as well so thank you so much Emily thank you Uh, lovely thank you Katchi thank you so much for your honesty as well it's important yeah (laughs) thank you thank you so much thank you